Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, a royalty consultant helping artists to collect on their value. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparency Entertainment Group. I focus on World X USA neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side. Hey, and welcome back to Money in the Air, the neighboring rights podcast brought to you by IFR Limited, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders, the podcast that talks about your royalties for the public performance of your recordings, where you made an audible contribution to a recording, which is played in public. With me, as always, is Gina from Absolute and Tanya from Transparents. Hello, girls. Hi. Hey, Stacey. Hey, Gina. Good to be back with all three of us. Today, we're going to talk about time. We're going to talk about things that happen quickly and probably more things that don't. So let's talk about how long it takes to set up your registrations at a CMO, to register as a performer or a rights holder, and then to register your recordings. Tanya, can you give us a brief overview, please? Yeah, sure. So, of course, with COVID times, everything has been delayed. I feel like on average, it would take you a couple of weeks to get set up and registered as a performer or a rights holder at any given CMO. Two weeks was like the kind of on the quick side uh, with an average of maybe one month. Um, But now it can be more like six months, to be honest, especially in certain European countries. I'd say Spain and France about six months now from start to finish from doing all of your paperwork to them receiving it reviewing it because you still have to send hard copies by mail which is a shame most of the CMOs now are like accepting digital copies via email that's how it should be I think now so yeah it can take six months it's you got to be patient and then in terms of registering your ISRCs well that's that depends on quickly you or your representative does it I mean in theory it can it takes just about a minute or two to manually register a track at PPL for example GVL's system is similar it's about two three minutes and there is an option at GVL to upload a big excel but that takes time as you can imagine to pre-fill you know populate all your data but hopefully you've already got a spreadsheet of all your metadata so you're just copying and pasting certain columns registering the actual tracks as a rights holder it just depends how quickly and if you've got the time to do that and then claiming your repertoire on the performer side again it it, it depends how much time you've got you could in theory do it all in i'd say if you've got like 500 tracks you could spend a whole day at one cmo just kind of combing through this database it's worth noting when you're applying to ppl and it's great ppl are accepting online digital signatures right now so you don't actually have to send in paperwork a suggestion when you're starting afresh and creating your ppl membership is to get everything to hand so have in front of you various information such as ID, which can be along the lines of a driving license in the UK, which shows a photo of you as well as your address. If you don't have that, then your passport and utility bill will do. If you're sending in your passport, they like both copies. Again, it's worth noting they want the photo side and they want your signature side because they will reject it if you don't pay. Provide both sides of that as well. Your national insurance number, tax number, have all that to hand. It makes the process so much simpler. If you just literally go through the stages, 
You've got everything there. You tick every box. You download their agreement application form at the end. You sign it. You send it back to them. I did one at the beginning of this week and they're processing it already. So it's working. That's a performer one and it's working right now. We've got various cutoffs coming well in terms of claims. So I'm happy to lead on to that now. Again, it's worth noting that PPL have a couple of deadlines throughout the year for your claims. The next one coming up is September. I believe it's towards the end of September, around the 20-something. What they're asking you to do is ensure that as a performer, you have all your claims in place by that date. And then, in theory, you should be included within the next December payment. The main payments from PPL for adjustments will be December and then you've got your big payment in the June. But September cutout should uh, ensure that you, you could be included within the December one. The one thing to look out for if you're putting a claim in is those evidence requests from PPL. You can't just make a claim on a track and expect PPL just to process it and accept that you are a main artist or another featured artist if the track has received sufficient usage they may well come back to you so watch out for that email popping into your inbox and just supply some evidence back to them what Um, kind of evidence if you're the named artist and you are claiming it What kind of evidence do you submit? Well, there we are. If you're the named artist, you shouldn't need to submit evidence. However, (laughs) occasionally we'll ask you for evidence. So I usually go on to sites such as Spotify. Anything online, Discogs may also quote your details as well. So just grab a link to that, save it in a document and attach it to the particular claims page for your account and return it back. And that should be an order. They'll soon let you know if it isn't. But but yeah, nine times out of 10, that will suffice. So once you are set up and your registrations are in, you're set up as a performer rights holder, you've got your recordings and your releases registered and you've claimed the performances, are you then automatically included in the next accounting? Yeah, you are. Yes, you are. So if you have black box income, which is thrown around as a term quite a lot in neighbouring rights, it's basically income that they haven't been able to distribute because the lineups aren't complete. So the most CMOs, at least in Europe, to my understanding, is they hold on to it for about six years. And then if they if they can't find the complete lineup, it either goes to the record label, the rights holders, or it gets kind of like invested into local arts funds. So yeah, there is black box income. So yeah, if you played keys on a Adele track you know four years ago oh yeah there's going to be money for you they sometimes set it aside as like contingency planning because they might think there's a complete lineup you know people do come out of the woodwork and it can be five ten even more years later but then more often than not is people will have um, negative balances because this is when they didn't have sufficient money in the black box or like contingency funds for like this the new people that appeared so then what ppl and other cmos does senna is one of them in the netherlands they'll start they'll deduct money from the uh, the current lineup of performers from their balances and then they'll like, apportion it to the new people it's quite common to have a negative balance on some tracks but it's nothing to be alarmed about it's not like you owe them money it's all sorted out automatically you will recoup usually within a quarter or two it's, it is commonplace i have a question about the lineup not being complete so do they know the lineup by the rights holder registration and they then they wait for every performer that the rights holder has named yeah that's a good question so at ppl on the rights holder side the rights holder is responsible for inputting the entire lineup but 
they don't have to. You just put a minimum of one featured artist and one non-featured. You do your best, you do the minimum, but it's not necessarily complete. So that's why PPL still need to ask for evidence when, you know, someone's like, I played the banjo, or I was the backing vocalist. Because I'll look at it and be like, hmm, the rights holder just put the featured artists. So they'll, that's why they ask for evidence, basically. And what if there are no non-featured artists? What if everybody entitled is just the contracted featured performer, like the band? That's okay? It's probably worth advising PPL when you do register your claim that everybody is a main artist, a contracted featured artist, because they kind of do an auto calculation process where they want a certain number of main artists and a certain number of featured artists. So they could invalidate your recording, which uh, wait you to actually confirm to them that the stats that you've provided to them are correct. You won't lose out any money providing that you tell them that information. So once you've registered a recording, my suggestion is that you just go back and check a week or two after you've registered it. If there's a big red cross next to your recording, then your recording is on hold and you won't receive any royalty income as a rights holder until you notify them and say you've been given the correct number of artists and there's nothing more it won't affect the performers they will still continue to receive share of their royalty income but it will affect you as the rights holder so what about what about deadlines for the rest of the world not just ppl in the uk yep great question so uh we've just missed cpra in japan that was the end of july we've just missed actra in canada middle of august so cpra in japan they only have an annual deadline which is every july which is a shame because once you've missed it well that's it you've got well you've got until july next year however actra have multiple deadlines throughout the year like with ppr like most cmos with actress deadline the other day that was to be included in their december 2021 distribution ifpi in sweden on the rights holder side their deadline's at 3rd of September, and that's to be included in their September 24th distribution. So that's quite a quick turnaround. And then as Gina was saying earlier, end of September at PPL, and then it can be included in their December 2021 distribution. Playwright, theirs is New Year's Eve, so you have the whole year which is great. That's in my calendar. I've got till December 31st to make sure everyone's repertoires in Belgium is all up to date. And then uh, Gina will know about this. At the end of January every year, you get multiple emails, don't you, about the rights holder registration deadline. So basically, if you're a rights holder, you've got until the end of the year to register your repertoire. Otherwise, you lose out on the royalty income for that whole year. However, it's not actually a true year. So we say the end of the year, but they do give you a little bit of grace and they will extend it until the end of January. My advice always is, if you have a release out, register it at the time of the release. Don't leave them until the end of the year. If it's registered and it's on the PPL database and it's there for usage and you're there and you can check it's valid and you haven't included your performers on the recording, then it's there for them to go and add in their claims. They haven't got to keep continuously checking back for you to register it at the end of the year. Tick that box, release the record, register it at the time, but bear in mind, if you miss it, you've got until the end of January, the following year, 31st of January, the year after release. If you wait till the 1st of February, you're going to forego that year's worth of income, should there have been any That's great. Thank you, Gina. That's great advice. Is there anything else time-wise that everyone needs to be aware of? I think it's just worth knowing the distribution dates because that 
that's the important thing, right? When will you get your royalties? Most CMOs pay quarterly. So for example, it's, you know, end of March, end of June, end of September, end of December at PPL. And then it's quite similar at ACTRA and Senna and GVL. I mean, some of them are quite sporadic. Some just pay once a year. So I know Japan, they pay once a year, which is middle of December. Just if you are affiliated with multiple CMOs, and usually this information is available on their portal, on their website, or you can email your contact there and just have a, you know, a schedule because it's worth it's just worth knowing then you can plan things financially but december is quite a busy month i've noticed from experience you get lots of payments in december germany is december isn't it as well i believe which is usually an interesting payment and one worth looking out for sound exchanges every month so yeah every month sound exchange pay thank you that was really informative and very useful because it's all about the money isn't it Remember, go to www.iafar.co.uk. If you're not a member, join us. If you are a member, all this information will be there on the website in case you didn't take notes today. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.